Hello and welcome to the Jesus Witch Podcast. I'm your host, Lena Elsia Lee, also known as Lena the Jesus Witch on TikTok and Instagram. The Jesus Witch Podcast is a show dedicated to opening the conversation about including Jesus in witchery practices. The goal of this podcast is to not be evangelical. The goal is to spread the love, light, truth, acceptance, and oneness that is Jesus Christ himself. Here at the Jesus Witch Podcast, we believe all people are loved by God and all people are loved by Jesus. We believe in community and the power of fellowship. We believe in giving whatever you reasonably can to help your neighbor who's in need. And above all, we believe in the power of creating a relationship with Jesus that is authentic and unique to you. Join me for new episodes of the Jesus Witch Podcast every single Monday and be sure to subscribe to us on your favorite podcasting app. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Jesus Witch Podcast. I'm your host, Lena Elsia Lee, also known as Lena the Jesus Witch, on TikTok and on Instagram. You can also follow my backup TikTok, which is simply Jesus Witch Pod. But everything that I mentioned in this episode will be available in the show notes page. It'll all be linked. But anyway, I am really excited for this episode um, because it's something I've thought about doing for a really long time. And, you know, um, obviously the title of this episode is something along the lines to do with like queer people in the bible or queer representation or pride or something like that I don't know exactly at the time of filming what I'm gonna call this episode but I'm gonna call it something along the lines of that but anyway I was nervous about creating this episode because um you know during the month of June everybody and their mother is talking about queer representation and it becomes such a gimmicky thing that I don't feel like people actually do the work and do the activism behind learning about queer um, folk and queer communities. Um, So I didn't want the Jesus Witch podcast to fit into this like very gimmicky, you know, type of vibe. But as I prayed about it and as I like kept going in my own deconstruction journey, it was just very clear to me that, you know, Jesus and, and God himself was really putting this topic heavy on my heart. And it really has been heavy on my heart for a very long time. And I'll talk a little bit more about my personal connection to um, <laughs> oh, the LBGTQ community and um, evangelicalism. But um, I was put very heavily on my heart to talk about this and not only for everybody listening, but for myself too. A big reason why I left the International Church of Christ or the ICOC was their view on the queer community and this like blanketed, oh, we support people, but it's a sin sort of thing. And um, I mean, if you just Google Guy Hammond and um, International Church of Christ, you'll find his whole ministry for people who are quote unquote same sex attracted. And I will never forget when I was introduced to his documentary and I watched it at midweek with all the other women of the church and just how deflated I felt after watching that after like witnessing how all this hate was being wrapped up into God's love and I I firstly my heart was just breaking you know on behalf honestly on behalf of Jesus that his love was being painted as this beast, this was not the Jesus I grew up with, right? I grew up Roman Catholic and as, you know, as not affirming as the Catholic Church is, my parents were always very affirming. Um, and my mom is like, you know, God makes people to make people. He's not really, 
doing anything specific here. So, you know, he, she was always open to people being, like, queer. And then my dad um, is in the restaurant industry. So, like, I've grown up around the queer community my whole life between, you know, my mom and her faith and the way that she displayed it with me and then being at the restaurant with my dad and, like, being exposed to a lot of different types of people. Um, so I always personally saw it as, like, you know, God just creating differently, creating, you know, different works of art. You know, like, you know, if you're a painter or an artist, I am not an artist whatsoever. So this analogy may not land <laughs> at all. But um, I don't think every artist wants every two paintings to look the same, right? Or like every two like shades of pink. Like in one painting, you may be using hot pink to create a sunset. But then in another painting, you want to use light pink to make, you know, cotton candy. So you'll mix that pink with different like things. Maybe you'll mix the hot pink with red and the light pink with white. And, you know, like, you know what I'm saying? Like God was creating different colors, different shades, different like variations of people to express and, and to experience this world, this physical plane through different different things and different experiences and different sexualities and orientations and all that stuff so it was something I always thought was like very normal and just God except like God basically expressing his creativity so then to be like shown it wasn't really 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 it that was a really hard thing for me to to experience and I remember coming home from that specific midweek and just like crying to my mom and I'm not like a tip like yes I'm a Scorpio rising I do cry a lot but I cry a lot like in private I'm very secretive with myself like you know like I don't like to express when things are wrong I, I, I kind of have this like more aloof response when it comes to emotions and I'm not like a really big like dramatics type of person you know what I'm saying like I've been getting more and more in touch with my emotional side these past few years so I do cry a lot more than I used to but at this point in my life I was still like my mom was calling me the ice queen because I was like mm -hmm, everything's fine like I just did not show um, <laughs> and that's something Scorpio Rasins can do really well um, and if you're a fellow Scorpio Rising or even a Capricorn Rising you totally understand what I'm saying but anyway I just was like a puddle after watching that it really 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 affected me and it's honestly that documentary was one of the most traumatic experiences that I experienced in the ICOC it just the way it affected me really like I can't even, I can't even put, I can't even put words to describe it because it just... And now a quick break from this week's episode to talk about a few ways you can help support the show. If you're really loving the Jesus Witch podcast and want more content and more resources to help you in your own Jesus Witchery practice, the Jesus Witch podcast now has a Patreon. There are four different tiers of our Patreon. The first one is the Fool, where you get ad-free and early episodes of the Jesus Witch podcast. The second one is the Magician, where you get everything that you got in the Fool, as well as Grimoire pages for your spell book with Jesus Witch specific spells. You'll also get Grimoire pages pages of the major arcana tarot cards and how they connect back to christianity and the bible at least two different tarot spreads per month that you could try with your cards and a personalized three card reading from me every single month the next tier up is the Hierophant, and in that tier you get everything from both the Fool and the Magician tiers, as well as monthly spellcasting zooms and happy mail from me. The fourth and final tier is the High Priestess tier, and with the High Priestess tier you get everything from the Fool, Magician, and Hierophant tiers, as well as a 20-minute one-on-one call with me every 
every single month over Zoom to discuss your practice and the ways that you can grow your faith as a Jesus witch. If you want to become a patron, click the link in the show notes page. The next way you could support the show is by shopping at the Sun and Moon Oily Co., which is my Etsy shop. Over on the Sun and Moon Oily Co., you can grab astrology readings with me, tarot readings with me, and my Bible-based body oil spells. There are so many different types of spells on my shop, and each and every one of them are based off of a different Bible verse. And these spells are pre-charged by me, and I put all of my good intentions and all of my energy into them. To shop the Sun and Moon Oily Co., click the link in the show notes page. Essential oils are a vital tool in my practice, and when it comes to oils, I only trust Young Living Essential Oils because of their seed-to-seal promise. This promise ensures to me that I am getting the highest quality essential oils. Plants that become Young Living Essential Oils never have had pesticides on them. The oils themselves only contain plant material. No alcoholic solvents or artificial fragrances or fillers are added to these essential oils. If you're interested in learning more about Young Living and my favorite oils, click the link in my show notes page. Or if you're interested in grabbing some oils but not sure which ones would fit you, book a 15-minute consultation with me and let's talk all about your needs and oils that would help suit them. The link to book a consultation or to grab oils with me can be found in the show notes page. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Jesus Witch Podcast, and now let's get back to the show. That was the moment that I knew I could not stay in that church forever, and that was also the moment that I... Like, I was like, oh my God, like, they're not lying. Like, they're not exaggerating of how, like, nasty the church could be. And I live in New York, okay? Like, you expect New York to, like, literally be, be, like, rainbows everywhere. Everybody's open. Everybody's affirming. No. Like, and it's not like this was in upstate New York, which tends to trend a little bit more Republican. No. This was in liberal Westchester County, New York. Like... It was not the place that you would expect. Like literally in the ICOC, when I would do, I was in, I was technically in the campus ministry, which is their college ministry, because you know, at that age I was, you know, in college age, I wasn't going to college, but I, the one thing I will like credit the ICOC for was giving me that like connection with people my age. Um, And it was good for some things, but then it was really, really harmful for others because it kind of made me ashamed to be a teen mom and like oh this is all things we could talk about in another episode if you guys really want to dig into the uh, (laughs) emotional damage that I realized the ICOC did to me after recording the episode with Reverend Rosie (laughs) oh my gosh side note I'm like discussing with Reverend Rosie before we record I'm like yeah you know like I've had a really traumatic life like I'm pretty sure, like, my trauma from the church is, like, you know, like, more towards the bottom of the list. Ever since I said that sentence, your girl ate her words. (laughs) I have been eating them with a spoon, being like, yes, Lord, thank you for the humbling. Yes, Lord, thank you for the humbling. It's like, oof, ah, ooh. Okay, anyway. Um, (laughs) But when I was in the ICOC, we would go to these, like, campus, like, like, these monthly, like, campus, like, gatherings, which would be all of, like, New York and New Jersey, like, every ministry, like, from all the way, all the way, all the way upstate, like, Albany, um, to, like, Central Jersey, and, like, everybody from, like, the Tri-State area would come, and honestly, it was, like, a lot of fun, um, you know, it was a bunch of college kids getting together, being rowdy, I was pretty, like, you know, like, 
I'm pretty cool, kind of. I th- I'm cringy. But I had a nice little friend group in my church and, you know, with the other ministries as well. And we'd all, like, joke around. And, like, I have this very, um, like, mean sense. <laughs> this mean sense of humor. So we would just walk around making fun of everybody from the other ministries. And, like, it was a really good time, okay? Like, I'm not going to lie. I had fun. But it was so funny to me. The most ironic part of it is because it, 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 we're in the middle of New York City, Right? preaching this anti-queer gospel, anti-Jesus, anti-love gospel, right? And then two blocks down is the Stonewall Inn. You know, like the famous Stonewall Inn, the Stonewall Inn that like started everything, like that one. Yeah, like pride flags everywhere. And we're going to this like campus. Oh my gosh. Anyway, um, one time when we were there, we were like eating dinner afterwards and I saw Frankie Grande. (laughs) I thought that was really, really cool. Um, but yeah, like I'm sharing all of this because I want to paint a picture for you of like this environment that I was in and how like disassociated I basically, I felt from the rest of of society and the rest of like the world and trying as hard as I can to adopt these values that I knew not to be true about God because somebody took the Bible, twisted it, manipulated it and told me that if I didn't, I'd be burned in fire and brimstone for the rest of eternity. And like, that's traumatic. So back to my like original point, the second thing after this documentary that I watched that really like, really disturbed me um, was learning about all the people that were in the church who are queer, identify more on that spectrum. Um, In the church, they would call it same-sex attracted. And were just denying that part of themselves completely and either being like celibate for their whole life and, you know, just being married to the church essentially Um, or getting into marriages, into heteronormative marriages with women, being very upfront with them, like, I'm, you know, same-sex attracted, I am not sexually attracted to you, but I want a life partner, and in our religion, you can only marry somebody of the opposite sex, like, can you be with me kind of thing. Um, my heart really broke for those people, um, it hits very close to home because somebody that I personally grew up with um, is in the church still and they are experiencing this exact (laughs) scenario because they identify on the queer spectrum and they believe it is a sin so they stay in the church and There's, I don't even have, I don't even have words. Like you, like you guys know I'm a podcaster. I have words. Like I, that's what I do is I talk. But when I think about this, when I think about him, but I think about all the people that are just denying themselves, denying, like denying who they are because they think that God wouldn't love them the same, would send them to hell if they acted upon this. Like it is the most heartbreaking thing and it's such a big mental mind fuck um and something that very 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 strongly affected me um very much affects me to this day and a big reason why I left the church was because I just I I I had a son 
I was pregnant at the time that I left. I was pregnant with Scott that when I left the church and I was like looking at Dexter and, and, and more so like thinking about like, you know, the baby that was in, you know, my belly and kind of just being like, is this the environment that I want them to grow up in? Is this what I want them to know that if they're queer or identify on that spectrum that they're going to hell if they love somebody? The Bible tells us in the book of John, I believe it's John, first John four, possibly like if I'm going to find the exact verse and I'll note it in the show notes page. Um, but those who have seen love, those who love know God, right? Jesus says to his disciples, they will know us by our love for one another. The, the, the foundation, the foundation of the Christian faith should be love, love your neighbor like yourself love your god above anything else like love love the greatest of these is love like love is such a huge emphasis in the christian faith however it's a conditional love that is emphasized in the christian faith it is act this 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 way this way this way this way then you can come to heaven with me and i'll love you forever but if you don't it won't love you forever. I won't see you. I won't see your face. Do you really think that's how Jesus is? Do you really think that's, that's how Jesus is? When Psalm 23, David literally writes that even if I'm in the pits of hell, in the pits of Sheol, Sheol means hell. That is the Jewish sort of equivalent to hell, right? He's saying even if I'm there, even if I'm a place, in a place with claims to not have the essence, the energy of God, right? You will not leave my side. So how, how, how can you take the Bible and twist it, twist this book that's meant to be about love and say, if you love somebody that's the same sex as you, you going to hell. And like, not for nothing, the Bible says zip about transgender people, says nothing about changing your gender and, you know, like, oh, that's a sin because you're going against God. It says nothing about that. It says in the Bible that you're fearfully and wonderfully made, as is, right? But trans people are born transgender. So how are they How are they not fearfully and wonderfully made the way that they are, right? Isn't that what makes sense according to the Bible? But anyway, before I get, before I get too spicy, let's take a look at the actual Bible. Let's take a look at the actual text, the original text that was written, right? Um, I'm going to be leaving quite a few resources in the show notes page. Um, we're going to be looking at the Bible, what the Bible says, you know, addressing all of that. And then what we're also going to do is um, look at some queer representation that is actually in the Bible, because there is. I know you probably don't know about it. I didn't know about it until I left the ICOC, and I've been a, I've been a believer in Jesus since the day I was born, like literally, um, I mean, I guess like since the day I was born is a little bit of an exaggeration, but you know what I'm saying. Anyway, all right, let's take a look at what the Bible and the actual original text says about homosexuality and being queer. So there are a handful of Bible verses that are used to justify the fact that homosexuality is a sin. I should say the lack of a fact 
<laughs> that homosexuality is a sin. But the first thing to note is that the word homosexual did not get added into the Bible until 1946. And there's actually a whole documentary on this whole process and why it was added and how it was added and all those things. So I will leave it in the show notes page. It's called the 1946 movie. Um, and it's basically all about the history of that. So that is the first thing to note that in English Bibles, this word was not here until 1946. And just in case you're curious, the first Bible translation that ever included the word homosexual um, inside of its words was the Revised Standard Version, which was published in 1946. It's also known as the RSV. And then here's where the politics comes into all of this, because of course, it's got to be a little bit political. Um, so there was a team of translators that worked on this edition of the RSV Bible that now included the word homosexuality. Um, and the first change was in 1 Corinthians 6, 9. Um, and they admitted after doing this that it was a mistake, that they translated it translated the Bible incorrectly, that this word should not have been added. However, it was too late at that point because they had signed a contract, this entire team signed a contract stating that they would not make any changes in the, RS, the RSV Bible for 10 years. And after that publication came out, then other Bible translations picked up on the same languaging and it was kind of just a snowball from there. So if they changed it to homosexual, right, what was it originally? So original, original, originally when the Bible was written, or at least the most original copy that we have, um, the words that I'm going to absolutely butcher <laughs> that were originally homosexual were Malachi and Arseniochi. Um, which they were replaced originally with sexual perverts. So let's think about what a pervert is, right? That's like somebody who's really sexually deranged that's not doing um, behaviors with their sexuality that is considered norm to a society. Um, and the specific example that's given in this like article that I'm reading um about what a, an example of a sexual pervert would actually be. It would, it would basically be like a dirty old man exposing himself to children on the playground. It would not be two people in a committed and consensual relationship. This had a lot to do with things that were non-consensual and things that were done with children specifically. And the word, um, I'm going to butcher it again, arisinokai, when scholars were looking for additional examples of this specific Greek word, they could not find it in any other Greek holy texts except for one that alluded to, the use of the word alluded to Zeus raping a young boy. After learning that information, for me personally, I started to understand that the original language of the Bible, the original text, was one, referring to sexually deranged people, people who were like, be using sex as a violent act um, or two, doing sexual acts on children that should not have been done in the first place. So let's build off of that thought. The original biblical text meant sexual perverts and meant people who were being derogatory and not, um, not fitting in with the social norms, not doing what was socially acceptable with their sexuality. Another big aspect of this, another big 
piece of what was being brought up in this specific text of the Bible relates a lot to the historical context, specifically of Paul's time, right? If we're looking at the verses that are in 1 Corinthians, if we're looking at the verses that are in Romans, let's talk about the Greco-Roman culture that was around at that time. First century people had no context of consensual, monogamous, same-sex relationships. For them, homosexuality had a lot to do with orgies, dominating another person, humiliation, and it was not a natural thing for them. Also during this time, there were some groups of people who used homosexual acts as a way to worship a pagan god or goddess. So if we're looking at it from an Abrahamic god perspective, he asks that you have no other gods before him, right? So one of these things, like having another god before him, could be seen as having a sexual act in honor of another god. My point is that at that time, homosexuality was not a consensual relationship. It was not the types of relationships and the types of people that we see today. It was either used as a weapon of some sort or in a way to worship another god. So there's a big argument that homosexuality is not the thing that's being condemned here. It is the specific acts of humiliating another person or using your body to worship another god. So my neighbors just decided to start mowing their lawn. So um, I apologize <laughs> for any lawnmower sounds that you will be hearing from this point of the episode on. So I just want to take a quick moment to read a very specific Bible verse um, that is used to justify why homosexuality is a sin in the Bible. And then we're going to talk a little bit more about the historical context of this verse. Um, and this uh, I'm reading from Paul Amongst the People. It is by Sarah Rudden. Um, she's a little bit anti-Paul. I'm personally not anti-Paul. I really believe his words were taken and twisted. Um, and I do work with Paul, so I do have a Paul bias. Um, I didn't want to work with Paul. The dude forced me to work with him. Um, but him and I relate on a lot of different things. And so I'm, I'm a little bit pro-Paul. She's a little bit anti-Paul. So together we get medium Paul. <laughs> Neutral Paul, not medium. <laughs> That's the real word. Okay, anyway. Um, but this was when I, I was still in the ICOC when I purchased this book. This book was a lifeline for me when I was getting out. So I highly, highly recommend it for anybody trying to learn more about the historical context of the Bible. I don't agree with 100% of what's written in here, but I think it is a great um, way to start looking at Christianity in a more progressive light. And um, not even just progressive. I don't even think the word progressive is right, the right word because I, I think you could be a Republican and still love everybody. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't think it matters who you are politically. And I think progressive is a term that's thrown out politically. Um, but I would say it's probably a good gateway into loving Christianity or, or, you know, like actually following Jesus and not following the church. That's what I'll say it is. Anyway, okay, done with the tangent. Let's read the book. Um, so this is Romans 1, verses 24 through 27. Therefore, God gave them up in the lusts of their hearts to impurity, to the degrading of their bodies amongst themselves. Because they exchanged God for a lie and worshipped and served the, cre the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them up to degrading passions. Their woman exchanged natural intercourse for unnatural in the same way that the men in the same way also the men giving up natural intercourse with women 
were consumed with passion for one another. Men committed shameless acts with men and received their own per their own persons due to the penalty for their error. This is a very big Bible verse, and I just want to look at some very specific languaging in here, right? The woman exchanged natural intercourse for unnatural. Natural intercourse for unnatural. In the same way the men giving up natural intercourse with women were consumed with passion uh, for one another. So a little later in the book, the author, Sarah um, Rudin, points out that they gave up their naturally inclined sexuality to the other sex in order to degrade the same sex. So this was not natural for them because they are not naturally attracted to other men or to other women. However, if you are naturally inclined to being attracted to a man if you're a man, being attracted to a woman if you're a woman. It's alluding to the fact that that is not the sin here, but what the sin here is going against the way that God made you. And everybody has to do their own divination while doing deconstruction, if you're into divination, if that's what you're doing during your deconstruction period. But um, after reading that recently, because I was preparing for this episode, and um, doing like some just connecting with Paul and divination with him, I asked him, is this what you meant? And he's like, girl, I've been trying for centuries <laughs> to get somebody to get it. And he wasn't writing this to be like, oh, homosexuality is bad. No, going against the way that God made you, that's what's bad. Um, so there's a whole chapter in this book dedicated to Paul and the, or this whole, this, well, this whole book is dedicated to Paul, but there's a whole chapter dedicated to Paul and homosexuality and the Greco-Roman view on it and what actually is the sin that's being talked about in these verses. And like, spoiler alert, it's not homosexuality itself. It is um, other things. So highly recommend it. It's chapter three. The chapter is called No Closet, No Monsters, Paul and Homosexuality. Um, it gets very, very, very in-depth. Uh, it's a great book, great thing to like. If you're, if this is a big part of your deconstruction, um, then I think that this is a really great book to grab. Really quick, I want to read a couple of sentences from the last page of chapter three of Paul Amongst the People, just because I think that this these two sentences just really sum it up. Um, and sum up why I personally love Paul and why I work with him. Um, even though he chose me, this is why I accepted it. Paul takes a bold and effective swipe at the power structure. He challenges centuries of extra-changeable practice in seeking a more just and more loving society. His writings specifically about homosexuality and the way that um, those acts were being carried out was meant to have a more just and more loving society. And instead, these words were taken, twisted, and used to create a more hateful and less equal society. Now my, my, in this whole situation, now my heart's breaking for Paul. Because this poor dude, all he wanted was to help people be empowered and be who God created them to be, no matter who God created them to be. And it was twisted in a way that's making people feel like they can't be who God created them to be. So now let's talk about, like, one of my favorite deconstruction topics in the Bible, 
which is queer stories that are in the actual canonical Bible. And today we're going to be talking about my two personal favorites. However, if you're into this stuff like me, there's a whole podcast. It's called Yas Jesus, and it is so so fucking good like oh my gosh they talk about all about queer issues in the bible queer issues with christianity and being a believer um but then they also do this <laughs> this one series called the baked bible stories and you know my stoner ass lives for those like oh my gosh they are the, the, they are everything 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 so go check out this podcast but we're going to be talking about two of the stories that they break down in fuller podcast episodes, which I will link both of those podcast episodes as well as, well as the podcast in general, the Ask Jesus podcast, all on the show notes page. But anyway, we are going to be talking about David and Jonathan and Joseph from Genesis. So let's talk about Joseph from Genesis first because I love Joseph from Genesis. Genesis 50 verse 25 is like... Mm, one of my favorite Bible verses, and it was said by Joseph. Joseph was also a mystic, so not only is he, like, great to talk about in, like, queer spaces, but he's also really great to talk about in witchy spaces. He used a divination cup. He interpreted dreams. Like, this dude was a witch. Like, he was so cool. Um, so anyway, let's talk about how his story is a queer story. So Joseph was one of the 12 sons of Jacob and Rachel. And Joseph was very favored by his dad. He even admits it in one part of Genesis that he knows he's highly favored and he's very grateful for it, which is, you know, gratitude. An attitude of gratitude is always like the best type of attitude to have. Um, but one day his father gifted him a garment. And if you read the Bible, it will look like a special coat. That will be the translation. However, let's talk about the original by the word, the original word that was in the Bible to describe this coat. So the original word, and I'm probably going to butcher it, is kitanet pasim, which could also be described as a princess dress. So the only other place in the Bible that this particular word, ketanet pasim, was um, brought up was in reference to a woman wearing a special ceremonial garment, a ceremonial dress, um, and she happened to be a princess. So I just find it very interesting that this word ketana pasim, again, butchering it, sorry, um, <laughs> was used to describe the garment given to Joseph and then also describes a garment that another woman has worn in a different part of the Bible. But here's like the interesting part of Joseph's story for me. After his father Jacob gives him this garment that could be translated as princess dress, um, his brothers, his 11 brothers, beat Joseph up, take the garment from him, throw him in a pit, and sell him into slavery. So obviously growing up in the church, and more specifically when I was in the ICOC, the way that this was described for me was, oh, they were all just jealous that he was gaining favor, that he was being the favored one by his father, right? But wouldn't it also make sense that these 11 men have rage at their brother because he's wearing a princess dress during biblical times? Like, this is not today. This is not like, you know, New York City in 2022 where you walk outside and everybody's wearing whatever the fuck that they want to wear. No, this is like biblical time where gender roles were like, the binary was everything back then. So to see somebody stepping out and being a little bit more genderqueer was probably really jarring for these brothers. So they beat him up, threw him in a pit, 
took the prince's dress and sold him into slavery. And when he was in slavery, that's where he met um, the, the pharaoh and started interpreting dreams and like prevent like was able to predict a famine and all this good stuff, which you need to like read the actual Bible story because I'm like super super summarizing it right now. Um, or go listen to the full episode of the Yes Jesus podcast. But there's some trans representation or gender queer representation right in the Bible that I I did not learn about until I was in my 20s. And I have been a believer again, literally, almost literally, since the day I was born. So like, doesn't that make you think, right? Like there's probably so many queer stories in the Bible that we just don't know about because they were taken out by the powers that be. I don't know. Anyway, let's talk about David and Jonathan. I love talking about David and Jonathan because they are so freaking gay. It's so hard to not see the rainbow flags that's just flying around the both of them. But the evangelical church will just tell you that they were best friends. However, in the same breath as telling you that David and Jonathan were just best friends, they will use quotes that David sent to Jonathan or Jonathan sent to David in weddings, in evangelical weddings between a man and a woman. If they were such good best friends, why are you quoting them in your heteronormative weddings? Like, if they were not lovers and those verses were not intended to be one lover talking to another lover or one lover talking about another lover, then why are you using them <laughs> in weddings? Like, that's the thing that always has messed me up about David and Jonathan. Um, but there's also this Bible verse, and I'm going to read it to you now. So for this verse, we're going to head over to the book of 2 Samuel, verse 1, verse 26. Um, chapter 1, verse 26. Sorry, I misspoke. Anyway, this is something that David said after Jonathan died to express his sorrow. I grieve for you, Jonathan, my brother. You were such a friend to me. Your love was more wondrous than the love of any woman. Like, what? You're going to tell me they're just best friends? Your love was more wondrous than the love of any woman's? Okay. Okay. There's a lot more evidence in the Bible for um, how David and Jonathan were just a little bit more than friends. But to find that, you got to go to the Yes Jesus podcast and go listen to their episode. I am not affiliated with them in any way. I just want to like... <laughs> bring that out there. I would love to be affiliated with them in some way and do an episode of the podcast with them because um, I absolutely love their ministry and the things that they're doing. But I'm just a huge fan of that podcast. It has been such an incredible resource for me as somebody who's deconstructing. Um, and I just, I feel like it would be a great resource and I wanted to bring it up. And like, you know, these two episodes are my absolute favorites. Again, they have more queer Bible story uh, podcast episode. So they have their baked Bible story episodes, which are so good. But like their podcast is essentially like a, a queer church service. They start with prayer requests and, you know, they have praise and they have like a really awesome community. So if you're looking for a more like, you know, LBGTQIA centered Christ-like community, that's definitely the place to go. But with that all being said, I want to make the official statement that the Jesus Witch Church and the Jesus Witch Ministry is an open and affirming church and an open and affirming ministry. We accept people of all sexual orientations, all genders, all races, no matter like who you are, as long as you're not hurting yourself or somebody else. We're well, well, we are here to welcome you with open arms. We are called to love. Jesus tells us that they will know that we are his disciples by our love for one another. So we are here to love you. And if you don't have 
have a community where you feel safe, please come join our Discord um, community. Come hang out. Make some friends over there. It's a really safe community. It's a really great place um, to be. And yeah, it's a very accepting group of people. And again, but anyway, thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Jesus Witch Podcast. I truly hope that it helped you on your deconstruction journey and to like see that there's a different perspective of the Bible that could be had. Um, again, highly recommend the book, Paul Among the People. Highly recommend the Jesus um, Witch Podcast, which is what we're listening to. <laughs> I meant to say the Yes Jesus Podcast, but my brain farted. I'm going to leave that in so you can like, you know. Just letting you know, I recommend my own podcast. Um, but anyway, everything that we talked about today, all the podcast episodes, the book link, um, that all will be able to be found in our show notes page. Also in the show notes page, you'll find different ways that you could support the Jesus Witch podcast with our Patreon, my Etsy shop. You could send a donation to help support the ministry, help support the show. Um, there's just a bunch of different ways that you could help support this like whole creation thing and yeah just if you want to check that out that'll be there too um but anyway let's close this off with the verse of the day i had to make this our verse of the day since we've been talking about this verse so much today and i just really feel like it hits it really brings the message of this episode to home so we are looking at john 13 35 which says by this everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another that's it. That's the verse. Anyway, hope you have a good week and I will catch you next week. Bye.